having some level of speciality is always going to be a good thing. Back then it was, and it, and it is as well. As long as it's not, as, as long as it's not limiting your career in a way that, that where you want to broaden out. So I've seen a lot of people go down the road of one area of speciality. They're the subject matter expert. They've had their hands on keyboard. And because of that, they kind of always get pigeonholed into that. And it's, and you know, and for some people it works out incredibly well. And for some people it's frustrating. Okay, here we go. Another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by themarketinghelp.co. Another great episode on tap for you today. And our guest has probably one of the most diverse marketing experiences of, uh, of, of all the guests that we've had. And he's got a ton of great tips to share. But first, quick reminder, listen, if you're struggling with some of those marketing career moments, preparing for the job search, uh, preparing for an interview, looking to get promoted, developing the skills of your marketing team, sometimes it's easiest to get guidance from someone who's been there and done that, a marketing mentor. And not only can they offer relevant advice, but also help to hold you accountable. So the Marketing Help is actually offering a 30-day trial where you can access our marketing mentors via chat and weekly office hours for just $1. Now, don't navigate your marketing career alone. Get help right now for just $1. Go to themarketinghelp.co forward slash plus, enter the promo code on that page and unlock your access to marketing mentorship support right now. Okay. Intro clip, that was our guest, Josh Palau. Now, Josh is an industry leader in all facets uh, of media. So search, programmatic, social. Now he's worked with some some pretty big uh, Fortune 500 brands and some of the leading agencies in the space. Now, the intro clip you heard was advice that Josh has for some marketers that are struggling with that, should I be a generalist or a specialist uh, dilemma? But uh, in addition to that, he also gives some great tips on the right and wrong way to be curious and the two things you need to prepare for in every marketing interview great stuff there and he shares this great story of how he explained the power of search to a big brand executive and it's going to be something you're going to want to use for your next meeting so let's get into it here's my discussion with the media leader marketing team builder and the c-suite whisperer josh palau and i'm joined here by josh palau josh is a media marketing leader uh, has a heck of a background in terms of a marketing career josh welcome, welcome to the episode Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sure. So at a high level, listen, uh, you look at your career path, I, you know, I see where you've been, the types of roles you've had. Um, you're someone I consider having really touched the entire spectrum in terms of marketing career stops. Uh, so I'm excited to hear a lot of your learnings and, and advice you can give our audience today. So let, let's start here, right? So you finish with a degree in history. And yes. then for some reason, you decide to get into marketing. What was your impetus for getting into marketing? Was it something you wanted to do pre-university or was it something that you stumbled into after graduating? No, no, stumbled, stumbled is probably a good way to describe it. No, I, um, the, the short version of the story is, and, and also if you just do some dates in here, uh, what I liked about your intro to me is you didn't say, you know, someone who's been in the industry and, and give me all the years that I've been in this thing. Um, but if you do the math, you could figure out that he didn't go to college when the internet was was around. And so, so therein lies the beginning of the story. I mean, the, the plan was come out. I wanted to be a, a teacher. Um, to about two years in, I had a, a, an advisor who said, well, you're not taking any education classes. And I didn't realize that I was supposed to be taking that. Uh, and so the plan was I'll graduate. Maybe I'll go back. Um, but that never, that never worked out, which I, I truly believe in that, you know, there's a plan for everybody and it, and it worked out perfectly fine by me. Uh, but basically, um, you know, I had done your, your traditional, like just at a career, you know, hourly job, you know, getting out of college. And then, and then yes, this internet thing, you know, started to happen. And I, I got an, an interview to work at, at uh, Hearst Magazine's website. Um, and, and I remember sitting in a room 
I didn't know what a, with this very senior person who wore a suit and it was uh, publishing and I didn't know what a CPM was. And he explained to me how we have this, you know, this, you know, Cosmo, the magazine, this is literally said to me, he goes, we're going to do that. But we're going to put it on the internet. And, and there's going to be this thing at the top. Like, you know, what billboards are, he goes, it's going to be there. Um, and, and, he, and, he, and that's what we want you to sell. And I just thought, okay, like this sounds like it makes great sense to me. And, and that there in there, you know, is my origin story. And it was a, it was a sales role or. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. sales. Yeah. Okay. And I think at the time that was definitely the, uh, I won't say easiest, but it was a common way oh. to get into the, th this thing that was the internet at the time. And you, you did that role for a couple of years and then you went, then you went brand side. So you went from a sales yeah. position where you learned a ton to think about, it sounds like the media space and how to, how banner ads were working or not working. Uh, and then what, what led you to your next role, which is a stop, a uh, couple stops to the client side. Yeah. So it was, it's, and by the way, I, I, you know, the, the idea that it was easy um, is, is an understatement uh, back then. I mean, it was, I mean, I, I said, you know, selling banners in the in the late '90s, early 2000s was like selling crack in the '80s. Like it was very easy. It was not hard at all. Um, but I, I I say that, but I I made great relationships, and and I do think to your question about you know where what made me think about where to go next, it, it was it was grounded on sort of that that ease, and also I worked for like a great publication in in about.com, yeah. so it was it was a lot easier for me to have access to all these these people and these and these brands, and and really what it boiled down to was. The the industry at the time uh, it was it was actually I was interviewing pre 9/11 but but I started my first my first client side job post 9/11 and it was it was really the fact that our, our entire industry had started to get much more commoditized around the cost of, you know cost and no matter how targeted an audience you had it didn't matter you know it was it was lowest cost always won hmm. and so I just sort of felt like you know what I'm missing in in this part of the equation outside of cost is like why do decisions get made like why do companies choose the the, the brands I'm sorry. The sites that they choose, the audiences that they choose, again, targeting back then was contextual at best. And so, you know, search was was barely a thing, if even a thing. And so my real, my real push to want to go client side was like, I want to understand like why they make the decisions they make and how do we influence those things to point to what I saw the or where I saw the industry going, which is all these digital spaces that were popping up left and right. And and how huge was it f for you to decide which brand to go to? Was it was it wanting to be in the healthcare space, or was it just a connection that got you there? It was so for me. Interestingly, it was it was a little bit of both. So um, I, I I just like there's some personal stories I have around health and the importance of it. I had going back to my sales days because I live in a suburb of Pennsylvania. Like my territory was always. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. So they just throw a rock and you're going to hit someone who works in pharma. Yep. And so it was, it was a little bit of like, I understood the category, um, but it was a little bit around the fact that like, you know, health is always, you know, even back then, you know, health isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and they had just started opening up budgets more to D2C advertising. So it was, it was a little bit of like, this is the industry I know. Um, and J&J, &J, which I've worked for twice, is just also a phenomenal company. So go, that seemed like a, a good spot, a good spot for me to start learning this side of the world. Got it. And then from J and J, you ended up at Disney. Yeah, the Disney story is a longer, it's a, it, a short stint, but a longer story. But it, it, Disney is a is a perfect example. I will let you spend a second on this because I think it's important for your audience. Like sure. Disney is a perfect example of it was not the right role for me. No one's fault but my own. But but the but where it gets me in the end, and that six to eight months I was there and not enjoying my life at all, um, got me to to basically I think where my career is now. And so. You know, when I I was interviewing for with them and with with what later becomes Razorfish, um, and you would think like this, you know, Fortune 500 big company is going to take so many months to get me an offer, and this nimble agency in Philadelphia is going to like spit out an offer the next day, 
and the exact opposite happened. And I was interviewing for like an account role at, at what was iFrontier, eventually yeah. became Razorfish. And, and I was friends with the founder. So I was like, there's no way I'm not getting an offer. Like, I was surprised he didn't even just call me and say, hey, here's what it is. Come work tomorrow. So Disney, you know, shows up first. I go in and it's just not a fit. You know what? After being removed from sales for so long it, and, and at that time that I came in with as competitive as the market was, I just, I wasn't enjoying it. Mm-hmm. That's so, so six months go by. I call back uh, the founder of, of iFrontier, Brad Aronson, and I say, Brad, I, I'm, not, I'm not really loving this. Like, what do you think? I know I passed on this account management job. Like, do you have anything? And he said, do you know anything about search engine optimization? I said, absolutely not. I go, but I will learn as much as I can over the weekend, and I will come in on Monday. <clears throat> and so I, I ended up you know, learning a bunch. They needed someone to help. Like, They had someone who had developed the product, but they needed some repositioning. So a combination of like product management, brand development, client management, a lot of things that spoke to my strong suits, mm-hmm. but also at a time when SEO was just barely like a thing, but about to blow up. And so <clears throat> my point is, is that future jobs, which I'm sure you're going to get to, like I end up getting the Comcast job, which I am, I, I'll tell them now, I was woefully underqualified for, um, but because of this search background. Yeah. And so I always think to myself, like, you know, it's, it's I guess with, with Marvel, you could think of all the multiverses. Like yep. there's some multiverse where I took that first job, you know, managing, you know, whatever client Razorfish had at the time. And who knows where that story goes, but I, I don't think I get the Comcast job if I didn't spend six years running the search practice for Razorfish across the US. And that's fine. You know, if, you had, if I had to go through some, not so fun stuff to get to where I am now, that's okay. And I think there's a lot of value in what you just went through there in terms of those transitions from client side to the agency side, the relationship aspect, um, you know, assuming some things should play out the way they did, but they didn't. Um, but also I like how you phrase that in terms of the metaverse where, you know, if, if things were to go this one direction, what would have happened? But the importance of focusing on learning a, a specialty. So if I'm thinking of a, a, a new marketer out there who's just getting their career started, you know, what do you think the, what would you say the importance is of being a specialist versus a generalist? And by the way, I, if I said, if I said metaverse, I apologize. I meant multiverse because I multiverse, don't like the metaverse. Excuse me. So, you know, it's okay. I just need to make sure I am not, I don't malign myself in the media because people go, who know me, they'll go like, well, you say you didn't like the metaverse. Now you're using it in your, in your origin story. Like, no, I'm not. It's not using it. I am all about multiverse. multiverses, uh, right? Sliding doors, all those things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the, um, so wait, wait, now I totally forgot your question. Oh yeah. About just like specialities. Right. Yep. So I mean, it's interesting because you, you hit on a point that's pretty obvious when people start talking to me. Like I have, I didn't grow up in search. Like while, you know, I, I wasn't a search coordinator. I wasn't a programmatic coordinator, never had hands on keyboard. And so, and I've, I've managed to get into a space where I spend a lot of time with media activation people and, and how they sort of relate with brands and marketers. And so what I would say is, like the having some level of speciality is always going to be a good thing back then it was and it and it is as well as long as it's not as as long as it's not limiting your career in a way that that where you want to broaden out so i've seen a lot of people go down the road of one area of speciality they're the subject matter expert they've had their hands on keyboard and because of that they kind of always get pigeonholed into that and it's and you know and for some people it works out incredibly well and for some people it's frustrating you know because right. I I I've led programmatic teams I've managed giant client budgets um, and and I want to get into a role of marketing or media uh, in a broader way and sometimes they're sometimes they're stifled so I always say that there's I don't know if there's a wrong path to go I do think people who understand I say who are generalists they still need to have a level of depth in there like you you can't be too high level and be a generalist because then I think you kind of get found out pretty quickly. Um, but I think, so my, my advice is that if you're going to specialize, 
that's great. Just always be be open and look to learn what the other parts of, of uh, what the other parts of of the things that impact your job and your or your whether it's your, whether it's client or agency. Because then the more well-rounded you get, the more understanding of business you have. And that's really important. And I love the point you made about joining. So on to comp, so um, J&J, Disney, onto Razorfish, spent time running the search practice there. Then it was off to Comcast, where I think your reasons for wanting to go that client side, even the first time, about understanding the, 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 the nature of how businesses work and how decisions are made, I think all the time out there, the most one well, of the most popular questions I ever get asked is, should I go agency side? Should I go client side? And what are the pros and cons? And you just nailed one of the pros of going client side, which is the ability to, I think, beef up your business acumen yeah. to understand how all the pieces work together. Um, so when you're at Comcast, what was the one, what would you say was the, the major challenge of going from agency side to client side, knowing that you've already been client side, but what would you say to those yeah. out there? What's that biggest challenge? Yeah, and, and 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 these two these two first time first back to client side times were very very different. So it's it's still a, it's still a fair question. Um, I, I I would say because I got asked this question probably a month into going like what, what's it like what's it like and so I said there's two things I've I've always said and I maintain this this story from for for years now. The first is and it was also one of the reasons I went there. Like you 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 get to do the thing. So when you're an agency person or you're a consultant. You know, you make these suggestions and you throw out ideas and more often than not, they're good ideas, but they don't go, sometimes they don't always go anywhere. And so getting back to the roots of, of sort of like, why does that happen or why doesn't something happen? But like in, in certain client side roles and specifically the one I took at Comcast, it's like, no, no, I get to do the thing. So, you know, when we were always talking about landing pages or which, you know, imagery to use or, you know, these kinds of things Like you get to actually make that decision. And that's pretty powerful because, you know, you, you get to see whether you're right or wrong. And I was, I was, you know, I, I didn't care if I was right or wrong. I just wanted to be able to push the ball forward. Yep. Um, the other thing I would say, and I think this is the biggest thing and what I've taken throughout my career is, is you, you think we talk about numbers at an agency, like we're talking about utilization and profit and this and that. We don't talk about numbers nearly as much as, as, as clients do. Um, because that is their sole purpose of, of of business. I mean, sure, there's lots of other things that they do in terms of their their mission statement. But we, I mean, we had a, a 9 a.m. sales meeting basically every day. Uh, we were looking at day over day numbers, week over week numbers. What sales promotions are coming up? Like, hey, like we saw something. We saw. Yeah, I, I always I, I always tell, tell the story about I had my boss used to call me around like noon every day. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking at yesterday's numbers, and we look like we're pacing behind. Like. Are, is everything working? Is 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 our are, are our keywords up, or is there just a, is there a landing page that's not working? And so I, I think it's that rigor around the numbers and how your business is being evaluated that really is the biggest differentiator. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, what your trouble sounds like if you think about advice for anybody who wants to go client side, um, you know, some skill they should be ready to ready to leverage or have prepared sounds like it's a an appetite for numbers. Not, not that you have to yeah. be an expert, but just be cognizant of knowing that, you know, what you're doing matters and you should be aware of what's happening at any given moment. Right. And that, well, that's, and that's exactly it. Cause I am not, I am not a numbers person. I'm not a math person. I'm barely like barely good at Excel. And, and I would say that like, but the, but just, but understanding how a company makes, makes their money, understanding that some products have higher profits, some products have higher penetration, some products you might not think are good at all, but they're, they're in the, they're sort of, you know, the gem of the CEO's, you know, you know, crown, like this is what they're really pushing for. And it, when you understand just how those priorities work out and when you understand again, like how a company makes money, it is, it's incredibly powerful in the work you do. And, and as, as we fast forward at some point, it's, you know, just to the work I was doing at Bayer, I, I think that the biggest 
The biggest advantage I saw to running an in-house agency was that these folks all knew how we made money. And so, and by the way, I've, I've, I've said this a bunch and I always have to keep maintaining saying this, like part of that is, is, is clients sharing that information. There's things clients can share. There's things clients can't share. But because of that, like you don't necessarily know that, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, the, I'm trying to think of it, you know, if you have three products in front of you that you're selling for a client, like some products might be more profitable than others. And just knowing that makes you have a more productive conversation. And, and in some cases, it makes smarter and more strategic decisions about the bets you place when you're, when you're planning and executing their media. Nice. Yes. Uh, which again, if you're the agency side, that is a way to differentiate yourself, not just as, as, as a team member, yeah. but, but also as a value, uh, value agency partner. Um, so Comcast, like you're saying, you went back from Comcast, you went back to client side in the pharma space, uh, eventually ended up, like you said, at Bear running the in-house agency. So were you hired to specifically do that or was it no. <laughs> an idea where you just looked around and said, hey, wait a minute, there's an opportunity here for us to spin up an agency structure inside of the inside of the company? Yeah, it was. As a matter of fact, I, I, I got my job was it was uh, it had the word omnichannel in it. And I think it took me I think th after month three, I was like, hey, I don't run commerce. I don't run Amazon. I don't run television. All fine things. Didn't care that I didn't. Um, but I should not be omnichannel if that's what I am. So how about I'm just a digital person? Like, that's fine. I got digital. Um, and so, so, but so after a year, there was a, there was a bunch of circumstances sort of broke, broke, you know, my way in this one. I mean, first and foremost, like we did hire though, I believe the team originally was like eight to 10 people who had like strategic specialities in search, programmatic analytics, platforms, data. So, so we had really smart people on the team mm -hmm. that were, that were subject matter experts. And that was, that was the first sort of really powerful thing because we could be, you know, a good a good sounding board for the brands. We could educate the brands, but we could also really push our agency to give us, you know, what we knew we needed. What, what ends up happening is a bunch of changes in leadership. Bear has another year of decline, which is all, you know, like just sales numbers. And and it became to the, it came to this point of like, you know, what what do you have? I, I for some of your audience that will understand this reference, there was a, you know the Monty Hall, let's make a deal thing, yeah. and and it was like, what do you have? Like you've talked about things that we need to do differently. Your team's very vocal about where we can be getting better, but like. How does that actually translate? Like we've got an agency, like and 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 we and we did a lot of work in turning over some of the people that were on our business to to help us with this new focus. So it was just sort of like you know we're, you're doing your thing, you're trying to make everything work, but what's missing in what we do? And so I, I say like you know behind door number one was this like you know glitzy you know car that was fancy and had all the bells and whistles of, of building and holding house agency team end to end from strategy to execution to optimization to analytics. Um, and I don't know door number three probably had like a bike. Um, but they saw door number one and they were like, that's what we want. Take it. And I was like, good. Don't show the rest of the doors guys, put them away, put everything <laughs> away. Like, don't ever mention that shred that. Um, right. and so, because, because I, I do think that the, you know, the, the audacious idea of, of uh, or the, I, I should say it's audacious, they're just the big idea of doing what we did. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I said, look, we can, we can do this. And if we fail at parts of it, we'll still be further along than and closer to that vision or that end game than we would have, if we started with like, well, you know what, how about you just let us take in analytics? And hire one or two hands-on keyboard people, which is door number three. Right. Um, but you know, once you, if you, if that would have happened, again back to my multiverse, if that would have happened, I think we'd still be working with an agency. I think we'd still be doing good work, but not great work. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of that's probably the control too. Like you were saying, you get to get, the, yeah. get you get to do the thing, uh, but you're also we're pulling all the levers too because you have control of all, all over all the pieces that were touching the campaigns. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. And then again, if, if we, if we take a step back and look at all the stops you've had, and it sounds like, 
your proficiency, your, your competency is, is in that programmatic media space. And then it seems like after the bear position, uh, back to an agency again. And this was to be an executive level uh, member of this agency overseeing all the media. And what was the, the impetus for, for that shift? Yeah. So I, you know, for me, um, well, a couple of things. So first is like, you know, yeah, when I, when I, so, so search social programmatic, I kind of position myself as, as I've got a good core understanding of brand building fundamentals and marketing and, and that whole side of the world very, but also in some like, I guess, you know, continuous thread, like how that connects to the world of, of media and advertising. So, so my background like I said, it started in search. It's not as if I have an expertise over one thing over another, but just understanding like how all those components sort of play into, into what you're trying to do when, when trying to either move, a, acquire a customer or sell a product. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to join a, a tremendous leadership team over at PhD for what was, for what was the, the, you know, the CEO said it to me when she, when, when she hired me, like, look, you, you might get bored after a year because it's a, it's a more narrowly defined role. It, it is focusing just on media you know, we, we need, we need someone with your experience and with your background of turning around companies and doing, you know, doing sort of transformational business projects. Um, but it was so, but, but for me at the time, you know, it, it was, it was the opportunity to see sort of a, a broader set of clients and a broader set of client problems yeah. um, and be able to, you know, sort of build something again, you know, which is kind of in my nature of, of building, of building things. Got it. Now, um, now if you had to think about one, so uh, fantastic, journey experiences things you've done if you had to look back you look back at everything that takes you up until now what's the one word comes to mind to describe your career oh boy one word i don't know if i i make it we could do a sentence but uh <laughs> let me see i had my fun editing this part of the program um one word i mean i guess um i'm gonna go with, i'll go with flexibility, flexibility. you know I, I think i think flex uh Wait a second. No, I don't know how you want to chop this up in, in the post edit. Um, let me let me let me start up again. All right. So if I had to if I had to pick, I guess one word, I, I think it's it's curiosity. Yeah. Um, I think that me, my natural curiosity. Because here's the thing: when you work in digital, like you know, change is a constant. You have to be flexible. You have to be prepared that your job's going to you know, and your industry is going to change. So I don't think that's the wrong word. But I do think for me, my career was always about being curious and asking a bunch of questions. Frankly, about things that I just like there's a there's a, a giant perception of of the things I know and and I think people think I know them just by my experiences. I know them because I ask a lot of questions because I don't know a lot of things and or at least I don't think I do. And so I I'd always I learned I learned two things that again could be helpful for the audience when it comes to curiosity. The first is like the more questions you ask, the the more the good work happens because people will say, well, like you know, here's how this works or here that this doesn't work you know, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. Um, and so you just sort of bring out the best, I think, in people when you ask a lot of questions, because it challenges them to say, well, I mean, that's not how we do it. But if he's asking this question, like, let's try to answer it. There's a downside to being curious. When you're a senior person, which my titles will tell you that I am, but I just at times, you know, don't perceive myself to be that way. Um, people want to answer your question. And so I remember early in my Comcast journey, asking a lot of questions and seeing a lot of people like really working hard to, 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 to answer my question or to find or find a way to do what I was asking. And I remember, you know, pulling, pulling, a, a, you know, over a, a team member who was obviously more junior, but was also like comfortable giving me the real, the real deal. And I, I said, is what I'm asking for crazy? And they said, well, kind of, but nobody wants to tell you that because you're a VP here at a big giant corporation. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I started approaching things with my curiosity of saying, listen, 
I have a question that I'm curious about. You can tell me it's dumb. You could tell me you can't do it. You could tell me you could do it, but it's going to be really hard. Um, or you could just exactly tell me that, hey, this is a great idea or, or not such a great idea. And here's how we actually make it work. But my, my point was, I think as a leader, you have to weigh your words in there, or at least you have to you have to you have to make sure your team understands that while you might be curious and you're looking for the answer to a question, if the answer to the question is we can't do that, that's not a great idea. Here's another way to get at this problem. Um, you know, it's going to take a lot of resources to answer that question. Like, gives me the ability to go. All right, well, I think it's worth the effort. So let's push forward with that. Or I go, oh, I I, I was just curious. Like, if you're telling me it's going to take like. 10 teams to reprioritize what they're doing to answer my question. God, please don't do that. Like that's totally fine. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you just have to have self-awareness. Self-awareness. And you know, the other thing I'm curious to learn from you is when you start, when you've started all your different, all your different roles in marketing, in those various positions at different levels, you know, what's your advice for those that are starting marketing roles out there in terms of how do you make the most impact? Now, obviously being curious and asking questions is one of one piece of that, but is there anything else that someone should be doing when they start a role to make an impact? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's, I'm not copying out by going back to the, to the question thing. I, I do think, um, because there's two different, there, there's difference between like asking questions to just sort of, you know, you know try to get to, get to um, you know, for me, like try to get to some differences in organizations. I, I think, and I will say, I, I think that, the, that the, the environment that we're in right now, meaning like you and I are not in a studio together, we're, you know, we're all working remotely. I do think this is one of the areas that, that remote remote um, work has sort of hindered, which is it, it learn learn as much about the organization and even the parts that sort of tangentially touch what you do as much as you can. So this is and, and if I am if I am becoming this older person, I am fine with that. But these are the times where it's like, oh, like I remember sitting with with people on my team and, and going through uh, you know development and literally sometimes going like, oh wait, like there's so and so. You should set up time with them, or I would do the introduction to say, "Hey, this person runs a part of the business which you know you may or may not be interested in, but it does actually impact what you do." So I do think the more that you could set up learning what others do in the organization, like that's a big that's a big impactful piece um, because you you get to learn what they do. Um, I, I think in terms of making an impact, it's I think it's a lot around you know what like what is your sort of what's the core function you were hired to, to do, and then where do you find those projects that are your ability to sort of lead and your ability to, to make an impact in the organization. And I, I, so I don't know if it's a, outside of, outside of learning what the entire organization does or the other parts around you do, I think it's, a, it's just about, you know, understanding what's important to that individual or to the role that you're, that you're in. And then, okay, well, how do I, how do I manage for that? Right? Like if my, if my team is, is focused on usability and, and making sure conversions happen when it comes to acquisition, like, how do I, wh where can I be most useful in that? Or what's the, what's the project we're working on that, that it can be, that can have the most powerful impact on that? I think it's about finding out that sort of, you know, as I, as I meet with companies now and think about what I want to do next, the biggest, the biggest question I ask people is like, okay, so I have this job and a year from now you look back and you say like, Josh was really successful in this job because of X and like Josh really was not successful in this job because of X. Like, what are those things? Because if you tell me what you're going to look back and judge me on, mm -hmm. then I can think about, well, first of all, is this the right fit? And that's that you get that when you get later in your career, because you have the, you have a, a, the ability to make choices in, in some of the roles you take. Um, but it's also good to know because I, I walk in knowing, okay, like their core focus is really around how do we drive consumer experience? How do we drive product sales? How do we drive, um, you know, adoption and acquisition? You know, that's, that's different than, than going into something and not knowing and finding out six months later. That you spent all this time thinking about brand equity and brand purpose, 
and and really like your boss or your boss's boss, depending on your level, really just cares about driving new customer acquisition, you know, and, and that's really their, their main goal. So I think it's finding that out first. Nice. And I, and I love the advice about meeting those that touch your piece of the business that you may not consider, because I remember working at a product company, learning so much about not just the product itself, but with sitting with engineering and learning about what engineering did had no interest in it when I first started, but as you talk more about them and learn what they're doing, it was a huge impact into what I became interested in and had my team focus on because of knowing now knowing what they yeah. did, what they had uh, insight into. So go back to the very first time that you were told, "Congratulations, Josh! You have a direct report. Here they are." First time <laughs> manager. Um, what were some of the mistakes you made, or I should say, learnings that you had being the first time manager of a marketer? Yeah, I mean, I well, it, it's it's um, so the first because 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 your your point, oh, not your point, but your question also comes out of that. Look, I I'd also come from sales, yeah. so now I'm in this in this mode where I end up at Razorfish, and and now I've got some people reporting to me. I think it's probably, I, you know, if this if this doesn't answer your question, you know, definitely like press back, push back on me. But sure. for me, it was a lot around, um, and I, and I got better at it later in my career. But originally was like what are your strengths and what are your interests? And like, how can I just help do, how can I help remove some of those obstacles? So like, by the way, the whole removing obstacles things, I, I always knew, but I don't know that I articulated it, or I should say, I know I did not articulate it as well as I do now. And so I have zero problem saying to, to people who, who report to me, and I look, look, a big part of my job is just removing obstacles for you because you, you're a subject matter expert. You understand, again, programmatic, you understand search, you understand social, you You've worked with clients, like you know what our challenges are. You've worked on businesses, you know what the issues are. Like, how do I talk to me about what you're thinking we're missing? Let's iterate it on it together because I obviously have an opinion and some some obviously some visions that I have in running organizations. Mm -hmm. But how do I how do I remove some of these obstacles to get you there? So so for me, I think I think originally some of my first mistakes were were when I when I when I led people was well first of all like look I, I some you know I, I'm sure I went with like my personality is sort of you know, big and out there and wanting to talk a lot, by the way, I'm a giant introvert and could, and you wouldn't get it from any of this, but there's, but there was a part of me believing that like, isn't that what everybody wants? Like, like, Hey, like I want to put the spotlight on you because you did the work and you deserve the spotlight. And what I learned was like, yeah, that person doesn't want that. Like they love the job they do. They love a job well done, but they don't want the, the praise heaped upon them. And then I found people who, you know what, they spent their days digging tunnels and working behind the scenes and, and honestly some thankless, you know, jobs and, and getting some thankless things done and they never got the spotlight. And so they, they loved when it was like, hey, by the way, like, I know I'm doing this presentation and, and I'm up here saying all these great things, but without the help efforts of this person or that person, like none of this happens. Like, let's be clear, like I am telling a great story only because of the work they did. So I think it was understanding some personality types yeah. and what, what motivated them. Um, you know, people, people are motivated by money, but it's not the only thing they're motivated by. You know, and, and you learn that, that's something you have to learn pretty early in your career because then you start thinking like, oh, well, you know, there's that classic scene from from Mad Men, which I, I think is amazing, where, you know, you know, the the, um, the one of the characters is yelling at Don about like not getting the accolades. And he's like, well, that's what the money's for. You know, and you get a lot of people who think like, you know, you're getting paid really well. Like, that's what it's that's that's what your motivating factor is. And it's not for a lot of people. You know, it is about the work that they're doing and the opportunities that they have and, and the ability that they have to actually shape something the way they want to see it done. Nice. Um I, I can I can align with that too in terms of some of the mistakes I made first becoming a manager is that it was uh it was wanting everyone to do things the way I thought they were supposed to be done as opposed yeah. to letting people breathe and realize that it doesn't have to be done the, the same way every time. There's multiple ways to get to the end result. Um, yeah. 
and behavior, understanding behavior tendencies also was a huge eye opener for me because as an introvert also it, you know, there are certain ways that it, it's okay to let people be extroverts, you know, and not everyone. Yeah. Has to yeah. Use, yeah. You know, You're, and by the way, like you, you can cut this out if you want to. I, I, another, another big thing that I learned and, and it was, it was because I also think sometimes you have to, you have to understand the accidental stuff yeah. and you have to be open to what other says other, I mean, sorry, what other people say is I remember, I remember at Razorfish, like they were just like, I tried, I tried my best to set up like as many, and I've tried this still to this day, like try to have one-on-ones with as many people as I can, no matter what their level is. And, and, uh, and I remember, I remember somebody at Razorfish coming to me and saying, Hey, like you cancel a lot of meetings. And I was like, I know, cause this thing came up or that thing came up and they were like, that's fine. Like nobody, nobody is surprised that you canceled meetings. What you don't realize though, is that you're the most important meeting in that person's day. By the way, again, this is someone else's words, not mine, mm-hmm. but like, just understand like, you had the you had a group meeting set up with a with a bunch of like not entry level but like two to five year tenured people. Like odds are, like they went to bed thinking like I got a meeting tomorrow with our VP, and like I, I let me think about one thing to ask or one thing to say. Like maybe I could share something because I did give some sort of agenda as what we talk about. And they were like, you just like you don't realize it, and it's not your it's not necessarily your fault because you have this personality in which you're sort of like no, we're all sort of like not the same, but like it you know like we're all sort of you know talking about these problems. But, but the point was just be mindful about the meetings that you cancel and, and how quickly you put those back on the books. Again, nobody cares that you had to cancel the meeting because, you know, the, the, the CEO of the company asked you right. to go to a pitch. Like, yeah, right. I think yeah. that sort of like is more important than meeting with me. But if you don't make that connection time or if you, re, or if you rebook that time and you cancel again and again and again, like it, it hurts. And you just don't realize like the people are, are looking at this opportunity as a way to let them let you know what they're doing you know, and, and, and hear from you, like, what's your vision for this place? And that always stuck with me. Cause I was like, gosh, I don't, I don't know that I ever wanted to be the most important meeting of somebody's day. And I don't say this out of any sort of false bragging or like sure. condescension. Like I'm not like that. I just think like, yeah, you're right. You know what? I think back to my career, like, especially at J and J like, because J and J was, this, you know, it was, it was a great place, it, but it was corporate. Like there's, let's sure. not make any mistakes yeah. about this. Right. And I remember like, yeah, like, you know what? Like I got a chance to meet with this one like group vice president and I was terrified. And he, by the way, he was the nicest people of, of persons, yeah. but I was like, you're right. Like if I had, if I had thought about everything I wanted to talk to him and then walked in that next morning and he canceled it, I would have been bummed fine, yeah. but I, I would have understood it. But then, yeah, if I would have saw him later, like just sitting around the lunchroom, like doing nothing, or like not ever rescheduling that meeting, like that would have bothered me. You know, it would have it would have made me feel like, hey, like I don't I don't love that about that person's leadership style. And so I, that that one is one of those things that always stuck with me. That's good perspective because we're so focused on our side versus the the other side too, and understanding the impact that it could have for somebody who's preparing for that meeting. Now, when you look back on um, your entire career, again, that's what I like about these episodes is I get to hear from various marketers on on their career paths. And for, for everyone's different, but what would you say is your most impactful career moment to date? Um, oh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I, the, the in-housing piece at Bear, like that's, I mean, that's my hotel, California. Like I, I, I'll get asked about it to this day. Um, <laughs> I had someone who, again, somebody's other, somebody's words, not mine that were like, oh yeah, like you're the guy who did in-housing or invented in-housing. I did not do either of those things. Um, but it just, but that's somebody's perception of me like that. And that's really my point. Like when I say a lot of these things and, and look, the percentage of your audience will be like, this guy's full of himself and a percentage of your audience will hopefully go like, gosh, he has some self-awareness. And by the way, this self-awareness took me a good 15, 17 years. And I'm not that old for the record. So like, I'm just really like getting comfortable with the seniority of which my career has ended up in, yep. but it's that. And, and it's that for a couple of reasons. One, it was, it was doing something that had not been done 
in, in or that has not been done in a lot of giant organizations. There's a ton of great in-house com uh, companies who have in-house media and creative. So, so we weren't the only ones. It was just we're just we're one of few that have actually pulled it off. Especially to the degree we pulled it off, um, it, you know, it it changed the way the organization operated. Um, I also think it changed sort of how our industry looked at like what can and can't be done. And how do we meet the needs of our, if you're an agency, how do we meet the needs of our consumers so that, or not sorry, consumers, I'm sorry, our, our clients, so that we don't become that story and that we, be, we stay that as that good partner. Um, if, you're, if you're on the brand side, you're kind of like, hey, like, like somebody else did it. And like, maybe I don't want to do exactly what Josh did, but, but if we could have more ownership and more insight of, of the work that we're doing in the media in space, um, you know, like that's not a bad thing for us. And that's right. actually probably like change, you know, that, that makes us, that might make us better. So, I mean, that, that's the biggest, I think, sort of thing that was done that I go, I look back and I go, wow, like we, we built a 45 person team yep. to do this work. And so like that was, that to me is, is, it was pretty impactful. Nice. All right. Look, we're going to take a, a quick break here and then we'll come back and get into some more insights uh, about your, your experience and your career uh, in the media space. Let me ask you a question. What's been the best marketing career advice you've ever received? Now, one of the most common answers we've heard uh, from guests of this podcast and from our community as the answer to that question is, is to get a mentor or to form your own career counsel. Now, Jed and I wanted to do something that would make this a reality an opportunity for every marketer. So our current paid monthly membership option, TMH Plus, offers access to weekly group coaching, mentorship calls, and direct access to mentors via chat. So think of it like your, your own emergency line to help handle any challenging marketing career moments that you face. So we're offering a trial access to this TMH Plus me, uh, membership tier for only $1. $1 to get you a personalized sounding board, advice, guidance uh, that can help you land the higher salary, the promotion, or simply just gain confidence to manage your team or your client more effectively. So $1. If you have $1 and you're ready to start uh, accessing this level of career support for the next month, just go to themarketinghelp.co forward slash plus, enter the promo code listed, and we will message you shortly after you join to start a conversation. So that's themarketinghelp.co forward slash plus. Let's get back to the episode. All right, so so Josh, in your LinkedIn headline, I see uh, as part of the headline, you say you're a C-suite whisper. So, so tell us more about what that is. Um, and then what are tips for others to, to be a C-suite whisperer also? Yeah. Somebody, somebody gave me that, 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 that thing and I, or that title, I guess. And I actually thought about it and I was like, oh, I'm going to use that. Um, but so it's, it, it really, it's, it's about helping. And by the way, whether it's a C-suite or just other senior people in your, in your life that you come across when you're working, it's really about that. So for me, if I, if I go back to my origins at Razorfish, like we, so at, at Razorfish, we had won all the search business for J&J. And I remember like we did this and it was a big to do. And, and the, then he wasn't the CMO, but he was, he was really senior in the, in the corporate communications world. And to this day, I still, I still reach out to him at J and J and he used to bring me to every meeting and I didn't understand why we had won the business. Yes. We still have to, excuse me. We still have to onboard people. We still have to help them understand the strategic importance of search. But, but I, my role was somewhat like you've got an account team now. And I was like, why, why I'll go to whatever meeting you asked me to, but why do you keep dragging me to these meetings? And he was like, you're, you're, you're really like his words, not mine, just to be sure. clear. Yeah, yeah. You're the only person that can explain it to these folks in a way that helps them understand like the power of search and why it's different. And again, keep in mind, this is in the two thousands or late two thousands or eh, mid to late two thousands where like TV still a big thing. And, and so his point was, 
you help them understand it in a way that 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 makes them look at it differently than just saying, oh, well, search is growing and that's important and you should do that. And so I think I was like, I, I th- and, and to be to be completely honest about it, I think part of it was that I was always someone who liked people to explain things to me either either in two ways, either one, like a child, like explain this to me like a child because I'm somewhat of a giant child. Um, and then the other thing was like, explain to me how this digital thing, because that's what it was back then, is give me an analogy of the offline world because then it makes sense to me. So, so this herein lies like my, my C-suite whisperer story. And I think when I've used for, I've gotten, I've gotten an, an, an unfair amount of mileage out of this in my career. But when I had to explain search uh, to this group of people and, and how to, how to get them to invest and, and continue to like grow this, this, this sort of uh, this, this idea, I said, you know, imagine walking into Walmart and you walk in and you go, where do you have Tylenol? And the, the, the very helpful person at Walmart says, oh, it's aisle three, right, right there in the middle. And you go to aisle three and you go to the shelf and there's just a big empty space. And all you see is Aleve and Motrin and private label, but you don't see Tylenol. I go, what happens when that happens? Like if you were to get a call about that. And this person that I was talking to gave me a very serious look. And I thought, oh gosh, like this is where it all goes wrong. Um, and they said, well, that, that, that would be very bad. Like, and, and that wouldn't happen though, Josh, like you say that, that as an example, but that like, they were very, they wanted to be very emphatic with me that that would never happen. And I was like, okay, like, just, just, just hear me out here. Let's, let's play this through. Um, and they said, well, you know, we would call the local sales team and we would call our local Walmart team and, and we would get product on the shelf pretty quickly. And I said, yeah, I just said, so, so what I just described is exactly what happens in search if you're not invested, right? Like I searched for Tylenol, I searched for headache relief, I searched for pain relief and you weren't there. And so if it's not acceptable in the offline world of Walmart, why is it acceptable in the world of Google? And that just, like, I think that simple, like, realistic or real-world view of the equivalent of what search is to that marketer, I think really clicked and they were like, okay, look, I understand it. Like, and then it starts to become about, like, strategy and budgets and share of voice. But, but I think that you, you always, you know, I, I've, I've been able to, to have a good career based on explaining to folks, like, what these technologies and these platforms do for us in a way that cuts through all the all the BS and all the garbage and all the tech talk. You do you want to try and target a consumer that bought a competitor's product 90 days ago? Here's how you do it. Right? We need this product, we need that product. So when, so so fast forward to J and J and Bear, whenever I get questions of like, why are we working with this partner? Why do we have working with that partner? Why do we have seven data providers? Like this is, I would have to walk through, like this is what it allows us to do. And if you think about it, in the offline world, this is what we do. And it's the online equivalent. And that always sort of stuck. And that sort of always got a marketer understanding like, okay, and a, and a C-suite executive would go, now I understand it. And I understand how important that is to our business. And thank you for, you know, like keeping it in the business line. It's, it, was, it was those kinds of conversations that I would always, or those kinds of examples I would give. What I would always steer clear of is like, oh, well, I mean, Facebook, it's growing. It's, gi- it's giant. I mean, your kids use it. My kids use it. I would never say things like that. I would never say things like, like that. Nobody watches TV. Everybody fast forwards through the commercials. You don't do that. And like, you would, you would have those examples and you would quickly turn off someone who built an entire career on those methods. And so find a way to, find a way to help them show, to, to sort of show how things are changing, but not by either tearing down what they've done for their careers and frankly, their successful careers, and also just not tear down something that isn't going away, right? Like for all these years later, I, I, I will tell you right now, I definitely said to somebody, TV's going away. It's somewhere in my career, someone will say, Josh told me that. It never happened and it never will happen. Right. It just changes. And so I just think that the more you can double down on like how the thing you're explaining to them meets their business need, and this is the equivalent of it in the offline world, that's, I think, the more success you get out of that sort of whispering. And, and I think the, the takeaway I take from that is 
Um, if anyone's listening to this and you think about the craft that you have, you have a specialty, you know, I, I challenge you to think about how could you explain what you do uh, in a way that leverages some of what Josh was just saying about the, the analogy or finding a way to explain it to whether it's a, another team member or a client in a way that really um, connect with them based off of what they're used to. Because uh, cause it is, I've seen it happen so many times where it just is the, the point of failure in a conversation when someone's trying to pitch the idea or yeah. pitch the channel or pitch the budget tied to the, I mean, trying to build uh, social media practices in, in my past, it was very challenging to get someone yeah. to understand you, you, that it isn't what they think or their kids think, it's what the market thinks and how the market acts. And that's why you want to be there uh, and not what you what you think is going to happen. Um, so... Uh, Again, a lot of great tips there for um, helping to, to communicate with the, the executive or the stakeholders. Now, when you think about early stage marketers, and you're somebody who came from a non-marketing background per se, but you got into sales, which led you into your into your path. What do you tell early stage marketers that are thinking about you know starting their career in marketing? You know, what is the one? Is it, uh, what's, what's the recommendation for them to get a career off the ground? Is it go agency first to get the experience? Is it, uh, you know, go tech or startup to, to kind of immerse yourself into the fast pace? I know it depends on each individual, but what would you say to those that are looking to get into the world of marketing as a career? Yeah, I mean, and I brought it also just because of my background. I'm, I'm like in the media space as well. Like I think, mm -hmm. I, I think there's, you, so and and you know putting out the disclaimer that you already put out with like look everybody's a little bit different i think i think it's 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 you know learn so so if we stick with the if we stick with the marketing person i think it's for me my advice to that person is like learn as much as you can about the things that impact how you how you move your product and how you get it out there across the masses so i don't i don't have a traditional marketing background i watched the brand i've watched you know brand managers you know do the jobs that they do and i look at it in in awe like wow i can't do any of that um, and so, but, but you get that, like all that stuff comes, it's sort of like when you, when you buy like a toy, like the, the, the toy comes like that, right? Like you, you went to school for marketing, you probably got an MBA, you probably did an internship at a, at a company like a J and J or, or a Comcast. So like you understand that part of your world. So try to figure out like, what are the things that I see impacting my product, my world, and how do I learn about those? So whether it's, whether it's D2C, whether it's, whether it's Amazon, whether it's creative, whether it's media, like whatever those things are that are going to help you get a better sense of how do I, how do I differentiate my product and my brand and make me a smarter marketer, like learn, learn those things and jump into those things. Now, you know, so, so my, so to, to, I think to get more specifically to the answer to your question is like, so look at organizations that are embracing of that. So, so going back to our, my, my, my joke about television you know, ask, look, if you're, if you're in a company, like, or if you're looking at companies, like look at how they are embracing some of these new, these new platforms, these new technologies, are they doing it? You know, are they still stuck in their ways? Are they still doing things? Cause there are a lot of clients that are, or a lot of marketers, I should say, um, that are still stuck in the older ways of doing things. You know, there's a nod to digital, they're doing some work. Of course, they're not ignoring digital, but if, you know, if 70% of their investments still in linear television, like that's probably a problem. Like that's a red flag for you to think about. So, so I would say, look at the organization, Where's their appetite for change and, and what are they adopting? Um, and then how do you learn about those things? For the media people, it's a little bit of the reverse of that, which is, you know, and this, and I think it goes back to like, do you go agency or do you go client side? I mean, I think highly, I, 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 I you know, despite, you know, my, 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 where I've gone with my career, I think I still think highly of agencies. And I think there's a lot of things that they, they actually have 
at their disposal that they do better than going to a client. And it's funny because my, my um, I don't know if you if you if you're an Office fan, but there's the whole episode about Scott's tots. And uh, you know when when Michael says he's going to you know pay for college for this entire graduating class, and of course, true to Michael Scott's form, he can't do it. And so my wife started up this this thing about me called Josh's tots. Where like I I'm at an age now where like my my friends and just like I have two daughters in college, like they've got kids that are graduating. And they're all like, what do we do? Where do we go? Like, can you help my, my, my son or daughter get a job? And all I can help do is connect people. They have to get the job on their own. Right. But I've done a lot of connecting those folks to agency people, partly because agency or tech people, tech platforms, because I do think you get a diversity of experiences at the, in those kinds of roles. So when it goes back to your question about like, what do they learn? Like, you're going to learn search, you're going to learn social, you're going to learn programmatic, you're going to learn clients, you're going to learn all these different things. And I think there's a, there's a power to that because then you start to learn like, you know what? Like, I don't like any of this. I like the client person. Like, I like the fact that they get to choose what they want to do. And I need, and, and you know what? I really don't like the automotive industry. I really like what's happening in the world of, um, of, 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 of uh, now, of course, I've lost, train, lost my track of my example. But just, you know, you, you learn more about what's going on when you're in those kinds of roles. And so I think that's an interesting space. Um, you know, when you, when you think about like, what do I do? Like, that's, I think how you start to look at it is like, what's really interesting to me, but how do I get that diversity of experiences off the bat? So this way I can then decide what my road looks like in the future. Yeah. I, I, I like that, um, that advice. Now, if you take it one step further, uh, to the example of having, making connections into the agency spaces, listen, you've probably interviewed a ton of times. You've interviewed a ton of marketers for different roles that you've hired for, uh, I love picking the brain of all of our guests because everyone has had either a very vast different experience, good or bad, or they've learned something uh, tremendously valuable from their own experiences. So when it comes to the one career moment of interviewing, uh, especially for marketing jobs, because in my mind, it's different than any other job. Um, what are some of the tips you can leave for our audience in terms of, listen, if you're going to interview for a marketing job, you have to do this uh, if you want to stand out. But what's the tip? Yeah, I think it's uh, so, um, and it's funny too, because the thing about interviewing nowadays versus a long time ago is there's like, it's the goods and bads. Like there's so much at your disposal. Like you can go into any company right now and know so much about them and the people you're interviewing with, but that's also the downside because then you start getting yourself down this rabbit hole and you sort of lose your personality. And now it's like, oh, well, I met, I, these are the three people in the interview loop and I'm going to learn so much about them. And it's like, you know, bring your, so, so I think, I think the first thing is, is bring your personality and your expertise. Like that's, that to me is like, the thing, the thing that, that helps you stand out is like, where do you see your background, your skill sets? And by the way, when you're very early in your career, it's hard. Like, and then when I say early in your career, like going back to my, my Josh's Tots examples, like some of the, my, my, my kids' friends that are interviewing me, they don't have, they, they maybe had an internship. Right. So I think it's like bring, bring your experience from colleges or bring your experiences from the one or two jobs that you had. Or, and, and by the way, this, that, same, that example goes all the way up to like, hey, if you're a VP and you're interviewing for VP jobs, like bring bring the, the unique thing, the unique sauce that you bring, and but but you have to bring it and apply it to how you can help a, a specific company. Like I I'm right now, you know, between gigs, and as I look at companies and I talk to them, yeah, my interviewing with companies is very different than other people's. And but but what I always say, what I always bring to every conversation I have is, here's this thing that you do as an organization. Here's what I do, and here's what I've done. I mean, I, I had an interview for um a, for a CRO job. Which I was not qualified for, by the way. And I, and I said that when I went in, because they, because even though I clicked the button on LinkedIn and I talked to a friend of mine who worked there, like, yes, we should definitely talk to you. And about five minutes into the job, there was a bunch of CRO-ish questions, which I don't have experience for. And I said, I said, hey, let me just stop real quick. Like, I, I just want you to know, like, he, here's what I think I bring to the organization. 
um, because I was very, I was a big fan of this company and what they did from a publishing standpoint and their, their sort of awareness in, in the social space. And when I say social, not social media, like social awareness. Um, and, and I also thought very highly of, of just the, of the, the leadership team that they had there. I said, here's what I bring, right? Like I bring someone with lots of clients experience. I bring someone with lots of brand experience. I bring someone who talks to salespeople and marketing people all the time about how they can position their products to me when I was on the buy side. And so if that's something that you think is, 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 is relevant from a CRO, like I'm your person. If you're literally like, I need someone who can drive revenue and run salespeople and go at you know, agencies and clients, I don't fault you for that. That's just not, my, that's just not what I'm bringing to the party. Yeah. And, so, and it's, lent, it's lent itself to some interesting conversations. So bring the thing that you specialize in or what makes you different or more, not, I shouldn't say different. I, I like to say distinct. What makes you more distinct than the next person and, and bring that to the party. And if, if you bring that, I think you'll have either two things are going to happen. You're going to stand out or they're going to go, that's not what we need. And then you're going to avoid a two-year job where you were miscast. Mm, right. No, that's, that's uh, Love the advice because, um, you know, not, not getting too bogged down in all the, the rabbit hole stuff you can do, but just those two things that you mentioned, think about it, right? It, it, that's all you need. Right. <laughs> um, right. Because, because there, I can tell right now, there's of the ten candidates that are interviewing for the for the job that you're interviewing for, uh, two will, will actually do it the right way. Eight will will, yeah. will not will not give a good performance. Um, so, so your chances, the bar is low in terms of just doing a little bit of focus to to stay on that conversation. So, when you think about you're mentioning you're in between gigs. So, so what is next? What is because for those that have listened and heard your entire background, knowing the, the depth and breadth of experience that you have. I'm just curious. What what is it that you're looking for next? <laughs> Still trying to. I'm, try, I'm trying to figure that out as I go. I, um, I'm kidding. I, I have so I have a, a few things. It's it's funny that you when well just as a starting point when you talked about like starting in sales and an agency. So mm-hmm. like similar to, I, I, you know, similar to the the uh, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony yeah. thing. Like I, if I can get a platform job, like I think I've done this. I've done That's it. A- like I've done the, every part of it. So. So I'm very focused on platforms just simply to get some award that doesn't exist. Um, but but all kidding aside, I mean, for me, there's there's probably like two paths that I, that from for me, both from an enjoyment standpoint and from what I bring to the table are are, are most you know relevant. It's one is you know hey back to brand side. I, I enjoy that work. There's a thing about being on the brand side that I that I that I've come to the sort of like crystallization of of that. Well, first off, it's it's no matter how good you are and your agency is, if you don't have someone who understands how these things work on the inside it's really hard to make change. And when I say understands how they work, I'm not talking about someone who understands that like connected TV is important, like it's growing. Like, no, 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 I'm talking about someone who says like, hey, like here's how we look at connected TV up against linear and here's how we dedupe our audiences and actually take that audience and, and, and use that in all the other things that's happening, right? Like to a degree, to a degree that you understand how these pieces work together, you can be really powerful. I also think there's always something fun about being the person in an organization that has nothing to do with the product that the organization actually makes. Like I, I, every company I've worked at, I have nothing to do with, with how we make the product, where we sell the product, how you market the product, the R and D behind it, the design at Comcast, like, you know, the technology, my job is, is, is basically you tell me about the consumer you're looking for, and I will find a way to reach that consumer and make a meaningful connection in a strong, creative way. Like that's what I do. And it's, and it's part of the success of the organization but I, you know, I am not a brand marketer in the regard in that regard. So I think right. that's that's one path. The other path, you know, kidding aside on the award, um, but I am thinking about the platform side. So the, the you know the, the the spaces like connected TV and commerce identity, 
um, I have a I have a, a real interest in all the in all the new amazing executions that are happening in the world of out of home um, and the different ways that you could reach consumers beyond you know these devices that are in front of us and when yep. they're when they're out in the wild and uh, and but in those roles I mean I as I've talked to you know my little core sort of audience of, of people who actually give me good advice when it comes to my career it's it's probably something in in like leading marketing some sort of commercial operating role like working directly with the clients I mean I think. When I think back to what I do best, it's it's clients, it's working with sales and marketing, and it's being a bit of that that evangelist for the organization and, and how they're helping solve problems for an, either an industry or an actual client themselves. And so that's that's sort of where I've you know laid down what I'm doing for now and or where, what I want to do next. So if you weren't doing marketing as a career, what would you be doing? I'd be teaching. I'd be and that which is goes back to what I started with. So. Yeah. I was quick to answer that because I, I did have someone who's like, what's, what's, you know, what happens in five years or 10, you know, everybody loves to ask that question and nobody has a real good answer for it. I, my, if, if I can, there's, there's two, there's two different versions I think of me in the future, some version that has somehow becomes independently wealthy, maybe through Powerball. Like I'd open up, I, I have a dream of, of a, of a bookstore that plays music um, and that, and there's a bar all, all, all in, all in one together. And I had a, a good friend who came up with a name for it that I thought was really cl- quite clever and, like I like I would I would love to do that, but that requires a, a level of wealth that I I don't have right now. So if I have to keep working, um, and it wasn't in this space, it would be somewhere either in 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 teaching. But of course, I'd want to be teaching this. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, I I do uh, every year I do a, a fundraiser for pediatric cancer, and uh, you know, working with a nonprofit because one thing that none, the thing with those organizations is they have people who understand digital, just not to the same degree. You know, so if I could if I could go to one of those organizations and take my expertise and help them get better at what they were doing, it's probably some combination of those two things together that would that would cobble together a good full time job. Nice. Well, I do I do like the idea of the bookstore and the bar. Um, yeah. And, and music playing. So uh, let me know when that gets there. Yes. Or, <laughs> yes. Any investors out there that want to exactly. you know, want to do that, <laughs> I can be easily reached. Exactly. So um, where is the best place for our audience to connect with you? If they want to. Uh, donate to the to the bookstar bar or yeah uh, just connect with you on all things uh where you have your expertise and and passions with with media and and everything else yeah i mean linkedin is is the best place for me uh you know i I gave up on facebook about a couple of years ago um but that's probably you know and and while i'm active on twitter unless you're looking for like really bad fantasy football takes or or like gripes about the sixers um or or promoting the sixers um you know either one of those two things i mean i'm i'm a, i'm a, i think i'm an okay follow on twitter but i think if you want to actually talk about career and life and and you know how can i help you um definitely linkedin um that's probably, that's the best place to find me perfect i'll include a uh, a link in the show notes uh, for that, so everyone can connect with you, and I encourage everyone if you connect with Josh, just mention in your connection request that you heard him on the on the Marketing Careers podcast. Yeah, just so he has context of, for your outreach. Um, but that's this has been great, Josh. This has been great insight. I think you had a lot of great tips here. Um, I can't wait to to listen to this again and kind of pull out all the nuggets that you were sharing, and uh, I'll make sure to recap all that in the show notes. But again, appreciate your time and in uh, sharing your wisdom. And uh, best of luck in your in your next gig. Yeah, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. All right. Big thanks to Josh for joining me on this episode. Uh, check the show notes for ways to connect with Josh. Now, listen, given what you know about his experience and background now, uh, definitely a great connection to have in this space. Just make sure you reference the Marketing Careers podcast when messaging him. And lots of great tips from, from Josh in this episode. My, listen, my biggest takeaway, the one that I liked was the tips on when interviewing. Focus on 
uh, preparing your specialty, your secret sauce, your value, what is it? But then also be able to articulate how that can help the business or clients. You get those two things together, that's gonna be a, a very powerful interview for you. Now, if you want personalized guidance from myself or other marketing mentors uh, for just a buck, check out the marketinghelp.co forward slash plus. Enter the promo code on that page and let's start a conversation. So this is your host, Eric Harbison, reminding you to help out other marketers by leaving a rating and a review wherever you access your favorite podcast.